to the Bulletproof Development Podcast. I'm Paul Abercrombie, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at contractor insolvency. So this is a follow-on from a video that I put out there on the Bulletproof Development YouTube page and on the Facebook page and Instagram page of Bulletproof Development, talking about what to do if your contractor goes into insolvency or goes bust. So I just want to put in this podcast episode some background behind that first and then continue with some tips and some tricks that we went through in that video of what to do if your contractor goes into solvency. So what is contractor insolvency? And what is the difference between liquidation, administration and insolvency? Well, all of these are a liquidity event with a contractor. Effectively, the contractor has run out of money. It doesn't have the cash flow to continue. It, you know, doesn't have the ability to continue on your project and therefore has gone into administration, liquidation or insolvency. Now, this can be a real problem for developers, and it's something that I've personally experienced on more than one occasion. It happens so much in construction because of small margins, you know, drawn out payment terms. Frankly, the industry needs to change in some way, but it won't for a while. And because of that, contractor insolvency will become more and more common. It is becoming more and more common. And if you are a developer that operates for a sustained period of time on multiple projects, you will come across an insolvency event of some sort in your supply chain. Now, disputes over variation delays can lead to payments being restricted. This impacts everybody's cash flow. It impacts the cash flow of the contractor. And due to small margins, overstretched payment terms, it's likely that a contractor goes into administration in some way or an insolvency event occurs of some way. See, as an individual, if you're unable to pay your debts, you're made bankrupt. But as a company, you have some options. So as a contractor, they have options. They can either be put into administration, receivership, they can be wound up, or they can be company voluntary agreements. These are all insolvency events of some sort. Now, it's likely that should an insolvency event occur in any way, whether that be administration, receivership, winding up a company voluntary agreement, that the contract you have can be discarded and is null and void. Now, according to the Insolvency Act 1986, as amended in 2002, there are some insolvency rules that need to be followed. And there are four different types of action that can be taken by a company on the event of insolvency. Now, these are administration, receivership, winding up and company voluntary agreements. Let's look at the first one, administration. When a company goes into administration, the company directors will need to apply to the court for an administration order. In order to do that, they must satisfy the court that there is the ability to rescue the company in some way and that it doesn't need to be a full blown liquidation of the company, that there is a rescue plan in place. And this is when an administrator is appointed to come in and manage the affairs of the company to get that to a point of rescue. If you are unable as a director or if the director of the construction company is able to prove to the judge or to the court that there is ability, the ability to rescue the company, then the administration order will be thrown out and it would become a full-blown company insolvency. Once the company goes into administration, an administrator is appointed and they will most likely to start disposing of company assets to get that to the company to that point of rescue. And that might be by shutting down loss-making parts of the business, by getting rid of loss-making contracts or projects and trying to move that company to a point of rescue. 
Now, administrative receivership was previously more widely used by creditors to essentially strip insolvent companies in order to recover debts. However, under the Enterprise Act, which was passed, the onus is now on rescuing companies and helping them survive as opposed to being asset stripped by uh, receivers in some way. So this common practice of asset stripping a company to close it down is no longer you know, commonplace and used in the way it was. When an administrator is appointed, it's likely that they have been appointed because there is a strong chance that the company can be rescued and they want to get that company to the point of rescue. Now, winding up of a company can occur in two ways. The first way is that the directors of the company voluntarily apply for the company to be wound up by the court. Or it can be enforced by a creditor who is owed money. And if they provide evidence that the contractor is unable to pay its debts, then, uh, you know, and if the right due process has been followed, such as strategy demands or court orders, then the company could be wound up. And this will put the company into liquidation. CVA's company voluntary agreements are effectively used when the contractor is insolvent and cannot repay its creditors. What it decides to do is come up with a plan where it can repay some of its creditors some of the money over a period of time. And again, this all has to be passed off by a court. And the creditors would need to vote and accept that the CVA is to put in place. Any failure by any of those creditors to agree a credit uh, a company voluntary agreement or a CVA would lead straight to administration or winding up proceedings taking place. So this, again, is an attempt to prevent liquidation or full-blown administration from happening by trying to get all the creditors to agree to uh, moving forward with a lesser payment than they would have got in the first place. Now, what's important for you as a developer to understand in all of these insolvency events is that under the terms of all building contracts, whether it's NEC or JCT, it's most likely that the in the event of any insolvency of any sort, whether it being a company voluntary agreement, a winding up petition, a winding up of some sort, an administrative receivership or administration, then the contract would be terminated. Now, that doesn't really help you as a developer. All it means is you have the ability to move on quickly should contractor insolvency happen. So what happens when you get that call saying that the contractor has gone into insolvency? What can you do to protect yourself and navigate your way out of the mess that your project is about to become? So as we discussed on the event of insolvency, the contract is effectively terminated uh, and the company you know, no longer exists. So you as the client or the employer will become responsible for the security of the site. So you need to make sure that that site is adequately secured. Often subcontractors or members of the supply chain who have not been paid can be a little bit pissed off with the process and in the past have made their way to site to take away materials, tools, you know, to cause damage, criminal damage to site um, just because they feel you know, obliged to do so. So you want to make sure that if you have an uh, insolvency event on your project, that you get the locks changed to the site, that you take back security of that site. The next thing to do is contact your lender of any sort. So if you have uh, equity providers, if you have development finance loans, any form of finance in any way, make sure you contact the project monitoring surveyor or the bank and let them know that the contractor has gone into insolvency and that you're taking steps to come up with a continuity plan or you know a plan to continue and get out of the uh, situation that you're in and just make sure that they're aware of the situation at the earliest possible opportunity. 
The next thing you want to do is stop all payments or valuations from continuing. So in some cases, contractors tend to leave it until the point where a valuation is agreed and a payment is pending and then they'll go into administration thinking that they're going to then receive that payment or soon after having that payment received. So make sure that your valuation process is fit and proper. And if you get that call to say the contractor's gone bust, press pause on any payments or anything being released to that contractor. Do not pay a pending valuation. Make sure you stop the payment and make sure you let all parties know that you're doing so. If you have a bond or a parent company guarantee of any sort, then you will potentially have the right to claim under that parent company guarantee or under that performance bond of any sort. So you need to make sure you're aware of where the bonds are, where the information is, and make contact with that third party bond provider at the earliest possible opportunity. If you had the requirement for a collateral warranty in your contract, and we'll do collateral warranties in a separate uh, podcast, but if you did have the um, option for collateral warranties in there, then you would have got those from your contractor and from your subcontractors. So that will allow you to know who the subcontractors are and you want to be making contact with them to understand the position that they've been left in following any contractor insolvency. Once you come up with a plan to transition beyond that contractor, again, you need to make sure that your funder is fully aware and they sign off on any plan. That is good practice to do that and keep all of these stakeholders in place so that they're aware of all of the information, any developments at all times. So having a contract in place, what does that really mean if you have a building contract once your contract has gone bust? So we've spoken about when a contractor goes bust, effectively the contract is null and void on any event of insolvency or if the contractor becomes insolvent in any way. That doesn't stop the contractor's need to provide you with any information. So they will have to provide you following insolvency all of the relevant documents they have, including any subcontracts, any drawings, any supply agreements that they've signed, any details of their supply chain. They will have to provide you with that information on the event of insolvency. Alternatively, you have the ability to decide under the rules of that contract not to terminate the contract and instead to try and attempt to negotiate a novation between uh, from one contractor to another contractor. This would mean that you would bring in a replacement contractor and that contractor would go on and finish the work with the original contract still in place. If there's been an administration of a contractor or the liquidator is fairly aggressive, then this process can be quite difficult and very complex because the appetite of the administrator or the liquidator is simply to uh, benefit from the, uh, you know, the privilege of that contract. So therefore, some can get um, asked for payments, try and agree a value for that contract for the novation, and it can become fairly difficult. So option one for you is you simply let the contract terminate and end and finish and you get the required information from them. Or option two is you would negotiate the novation uh, to another contractor, to a replacement contractor. But be aware that with some liquidators, this can be a complex process. And any agreement for novation is likely to depend on what stage the project is at. So if it's before construction has started, it's easier to negotiate with a new contractor than it is halfway through a con contract when, say, the mechanical and electrical work has been completed and therefore can be a bit more complex to bring in a completely new contractor with a new contract. So can you simply just bring in a new builder, a new contractor and carry on with the work? The answer is yes. Under both JCT and NEC contracts, if the contractor has their employment terminated in any way, 
shape or form at all, then both parties uh, can carry on and complete the works, including making good any defects. And you can then recharge the cost of making good any defects to the contractor. Now, be aware the reality of you doing that, of being able to pass across those costs to the contractor by the way of liquidation is really unlikely because the fact that they've gone into liquidation means there's simply no money around. So, you know, it's, it's going to be quite difficult to, for you to recover those costs of loss or making good of any costs unless you have a bond of some sort in place to protect you from that. But you do have the ability to simply terminate the employment of the contractor and bring in a replacement contractor. So once the contractor has gone into insolvency and you've negotiated your position in terms of a contract or you've terminated the employment, you will most likely get that call from the liquidator or the administrator requesting a payment of some sort because the contractor would attempt to ascertain the value of the contract and put a value on the works that have either been completed and not paid for, or if you've withheld a payment in any way or evaluation, then there will be a value to that. There'll be a payment that the liquidator is asking to be paid. Now, if I was you, I would not be making any payment to any third party, be it a liquidator, be it an administrator, be it a subcontractor for any work in relation to that contractor. Even if for whatever reason there was a valuation and that payment is due, I would withhold that payment. And this is the reason why. If you have a contract in place, then you have the ability via that contract to wait until you reach practical completion before you realize exactly what that loss is. So therefore, you can offset any payment that you are being asked to pay by a third party and wait until the end of the project where you can put a proper statement of expenses together, which would include the making good of any defects, the cost of any safeguarding of the site, site security, any plant and equipment that you had to provide that the contractor should have provided and anything that you've done in that gap between when you was told the contractor was insolvent to when a new contractor took over. But that can only be realised at the end upon practical completion. So you have the ability to offset those payments and wait until the end and then provide your statement of account or your version of events or statement of expenses. So if you are contacted by a liquidator and asked or being pressured to make payment in any way, then I would refrain from doing that because again, you have the ability to offset your expenses against that bill or against the contractor, but only upon practical completion. So they need to wait to the end of the contract. So on conclusion, if you are involved in a project where the contractor has gone into insolvency in any way, then you need to be aware that the first few days and your first initial actions are so critical to make sure the project continues. You need to make sure the site is secure. You need to make sure any assets inside the site are secure. You need to make sure that all of your stakeholders in your project are aware of the insolvency and you need to make sure that you come up with a plan of how to continue. There are a few ways in which you can protect yourself from this insolvency happening. If you have a performance bond in place, that will offset any risk. If you make sure you do your due diligence on the contractor before you start, it can cut down that risk. If you get some references from previous clients and from completed projects, you can make sure you protect your risk as well. But what's quite important for you to fundamentally understand that if your contractor has gone into administration, contractually, you have two choices. Number one is you terminate the employment of the contractor and you bring in a new contractor. Number two is that you novate your contract from your existing contractor to a new contractor. But if you're dealing with a liquidator, with an administrator, this can be more complex as they 
they tend to try and ascertain a value for the contract and therefore try to extract some money from you to go into uh, you know their account to pay for their fees. So this can be quite a tricky process. Those options will depend on where you are in your project stage, in your project cycle. If you're early on in your project, it can be easier to simply replace the new contract, uh, the old contractor with a new one, with a new contract. If the contract has been going for a while, if you have a complex supply chain, if you have collateral warranties, subcontractors in place and lots of administration that's happened to get that contract to the point that it is now, simply um, replacing a new contractor can be difficult. So therefore, a, a novation of the contract might be a sensible solution. But I would take advice from your project manager, from your architect or from your power team if you have one. And this is essential that you build a good, strong power team around you to help you in the event of any contractor insolvency. So I hope that helps how to deal with contractors insolvency, a little bit of background on contractors insolvency. If you want some more information, like I say, there are two YouTube videos out there that we have. Uh, there are some videos on the social pages of Bulletproof Development regarding contractor due diligence and regarding what to do in the event of a contractor insolvency. This podcast was a bit more background around that topic. So therefore, if you want some more deep dive information, go and look for those videos on our Facebook page, on our website or on our YouTube page. I hope this podcast has been helpful. Look forward to seeing you in the next one. Don't forget to check out bulletproof-development.com where you will find a form on the podcast page where you can communicate any forms of content that you want for future podcasts and it will help us um, provide valid and um, driven content for you as new developers. Once again, thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.